joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello and welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous, your host. And today we're going to gain some insight into... Uh, mind-body connection, and my guest today is Melanie Smithson, and she's the co-owner of the Smithson Clinic in Denver, Colorado. And what that is, is it's an alternative health clinic specializing in mind-body connection. That's the show. She holds a master's degree in somatic psychotherapy, ooh, that sounds interesting, and is certified in dance movement therapy, Sedona Method coaching, hypnotherapy, and play therapy, just to name a few of the things that she she does. She is an author of a forthcoming book that's called Just Shy of Perfect, and she's very passionate about helping others to let go of beliefs and behaviors that sabotage you know, sabotages their dreams. So mm, doesn't that sound interesting and, and really truly with what we're going to talk about um, with Melanie um, and the mind-body connection. So Melanie Smithson, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rochelle. How are, are you? my favorite topics to talk about. Oh, good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I know the listeners are going to be really intrigued um, because – you know, they know what I'm all about. I'm an Ayurvedic health practitioner, and they know that I'm totally focused on, um, you know, balancing mind, body, spirit, and helping them to um, not have disease and illness and live a blissful life with optimal health and wellness. But, you know, when I have an expert on, other than myself, <laughs> gives it a lot more credence when you put the mind-body connection together. Um, tell us a little bit about mind-body connection? Well, you know, there's there's so much. And I think most of us recognize it these days, whereas once upon a time we used to think the body, you know, the mind was separate from the body. Uh-huh. More and more we're starting to realize that when we have, you know, things going on in our mind that our body seems to react and vice versa, when there are things going on in our body, our mind tends to react. But, you know, we, most of us, you know, we've lived up until now as if these are two separate mechanisms, mm-hmm. and it's just not the case. I mean, the work of Kansas Pert really, you know, points out to us that there are receptor sites all over the body for the emotions. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that I like to talk about this with my clients is that particularly when we're little and we don't have a place for emotions to go, if, you know, for whatever reason that, you know, it's not – it's not safe, somebody else is more sick, you know, it's just there's not an environment where we can move the emotions. Emotions are energy, and if they don't move, they need a landing place. Oh, yeah. And the only place we have for them to land is in the body. So, you know, Candace Pert talks about how there are more receptor sites in the belly than any place else in the body. Right. You know, talk about, when we talk about gut feelings, uh-huh. that comes from that, 
scientific information that there are actually, that's where feelings lodge for a lot of us. Right. And when we don't move those feelings, then eventually we have to deal with them in some sort of physical manifestation. It's just the next place they go. Yes, I uh I I guess I can I definitely can relate to that because I I um I'm intuitive and I get the I guess I get the divine information in my gut. I, I mean that's where I feel, you know, my intuitiveness about whatever it is, whether it's a you know, a sick patient <clears throat> when I was working as an ER nurse or um you know, a decision in life or whatever, I get I get it in my gut. But also I had a um issue that a health issue that went undiagnosed for seventeen years and it definitely manifested in my gut. And so I know people that have um you know had ulcers or, you know, things of that nature, inflammatory bowel disease or whatever the case may be, because of some issues that they're not dealing with in their life and they internalize it in they in that place that's weak for them is their gut. And so when you're saying that, it's like, wow, that's definitely, I know a lot of people can connect with that. And so at this point in time, listeners, again, um, just want to tell you, if you think this topic is going to be very intriguing to you and you don't want to miss out on anything, of course, you know, you can always re-listen to the show, but you might want to take out a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil and something to write with, Make sure, get yourself relaxed and comfortable and Pull up a favorite chair and, and get your favorite beverage and really hunker down on listening to this information because I think it's going to be extremely, extremely informative for you to make the connection of how the mind and body works together. And so moving with regards to, you know, the connection of the mind and body, Melanie, what a, can you give us some information as to what people, <clears throat> what triggers may happen for people um, with regards to not, you know, not being balanced in, in um, not being balanced in their mind and body and how that can manifest in some of the outward things that we might see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting. I noticed that you're not using the word like what stresses us. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's really interesting because I just want to, you know, speak to this real quickly. Uh, Hannah Kroger, who, I don't know if you know the name, she was in Boulder and she was an herbalist and she used the pendulum. Uh She actually said, you know, that all stress was in the mind and that there was no such thing as stress, which is a very, you know, it's an interesting way to look at this. And I I wouldn't say that there is no such thing that it's all in the mind because there are things like, you know, the death of a loved one, a divorce, a move, that just seem to be those big natural stressors right. that, you know, create conflict and bring us into that place of, you know, imbalance. But um, in addition to that, a lot of what we call stress or a lot of what takes us out of balance is in thinking in the way that we respond to the situations in our lives. So when I do my workshops, I have people make a list of, you know, like, okay, what is it that stresses you out? And that list, you know, can be anything from, you know, being late in traffic, you know, the boss yelling at me, my dog peeing on the carpet, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you ask that room, okay, so, you know, if we take this first thing, you know, how many people get stressed by being late? Only half the people in the room get stressed by being late. 
How many people get stressed when the boss yells at you? Half the people in the room get stressed when the boss yells at you. Mm-hmm. So the same thing that some people respond to that get they get really stressed by, other people are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, you know? That's true. So that informs us that a lot of what, you know, takes us into that place of, you know, being out of control, being out of balance, being stressed, is how we respond to what life is presenting. Oh, interesting. I mean, that is true because, you know, some things that might stress me out may not stress you out, and some things that might not stress you out may stress me out. And sometimes it can be the littlest of things. And um, sometimes I I, I know I used to think that um, what was a big stressor for me is not being able to control something outside of myself. Right. Good luck with that one. <laughs> oh, I learned. I let it go. You know, I, I let it go. But that was a big stress for me because the role within my family cycle was, you know, I was the responsible one, so you got to deal with all the stuff, right? Whether whatever it would, what whatever it was, and yeah. um, and so growing up, you take that on. You don't know. You're just doing what you're trying to do to please others, you know, to please your parents because that's the responsibility they've given to you and you feel that's your role. But growing up, to separate that from I can't control that person, I can't control this situation, I can't, you kind of you kind of lose it. It kind of gets messed up in there because you've been able to, you know, go along and control these situations that now are no longer in your control. People grow up, things of that nature. And so it's really interesting um, to see how that plays out in people. Right. And you know how 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 they deal with it and what bothers them and what doesn't bother them. So now, you know you make the mind body connection um and that's what you guys that's what you do at, at your your clinic. How do you get people to understand that um what they're thinking in their mind really will reflect upon what's going on in their body and vice versa? Mhm. Well, Fortunately, a lot of the people that seek us out already know that um, because in my experience, it's kind of hard to convince people of right. something until, until they're really ready to hear it. Mm. What, what I do work with people a lot, you know, my body-oriented, in the body-oriented part of my practice is just starting to recognize that even when we get angry, we can notice that the body is lodging it somehow. You know, for me, when I get angry, and particularly if I get angry and I don't express the anger, mm. it feels like somebody has a vice grip around my neck. Mm. It's extremely uncomfortable, which is which is great because my body is there trying to help me. It's mm-hmm. trying to tell me, you know, this is not a good idea to hold this in. I'm not really happy with this course of action. So... That's, that really is one of the places that's kind of a gentle step in as you start to notice that when you have some sort of emotional thing happening, that somehow it's registering in the body. So instead of, and you know, it's like we were talking about this before, I wanted to be careful to note that when we talk about that physical illness results often from emotions not moving, I don't want any of our listeners to take that and start blaming themselves for their illness because right. that's not what we're talking about. Right. And it's just, you know, like we don't learn how to be with emotions. And when we don't learn how to be with emotions or it's not safe or the best thing, you know, like as a child, for you it was being responsible if, you know, the environment dictates that we act in a certain way or that we, 
don't feel our emotions, then that's the best strategy we have at that time. Right. When we grow up and we can start to look and we can start to look at it, you know, from a place of like, oh, this is still the best strategy, then we can make different choices. But um, to finish, you know, the answer that question, as mm-hmm. we start to recognize that when I have a feeling, somehow it lodges in the body, okay, there's information for me. Well, maybe it can go the other way, too. Maybe I can start noticing that my body is doing something. Maybe it has a message for me. And mm. one of the yeah, Did you, was your question? Mm-mm, I'm just like, I'm just, mm-hmm, <laughs> intrigued. Please go so, on. Years ago, when I was going through my master's program at Naropa, I kept having this gripping in my back, and it literally felt like somebody was like, you know, just pulling on me or holding on me or like sitting on my back, you know. Mm-hmm. And I kept trying to work with it, and initially I was thinking, get off my back, what is this, you know. But when I got quiet and I was able, with the facilitation of a good um, therapist, when I was able to really sit with it, what I heard was, I'm holding you, which was a very different message than the way I was interpreting it. And as I, you know, stayed with that, as I could feel this, you know, pulling on my back, what I recognized was that every time I got a little controlling, my back started to hurt. Oh, and so when we start to see those things, it's really cool because the body will react faster than the mind. Right. But then it's like when I start to feel that, you know, kind of pull in my back, then to me that's a signal to let go. Oh. So but then it starts becoming not so much a chore of something I have to do, but a place of recognizing that my body's, my body's wisdom can help me. Oh, I like that. So it's, you know, you can see it's a much gentler approach to, you know, you have to get your emotions under control so that you don't get sick. Right, right. More thing on the to-do list. You know, you, you mentioned something, and, I, and I'm, I'm just going to take a step back, and I really want to emphasize this to people um, because I know there are a lot of people out there seeking to feel better, be better, do better, you know, and all that good stuff. And you you said something when you began to talk about the, you know, the connection with mind and body. You said um, you cannot receive the information until you're ready to receive it. And and that is so profound, I think, because I know people out there are searching, and I'm going to really emphasize that as well, is if you're searching, that's fabulous. But if you're not receptive to what, is being disseminated upon you as far as information, you're just out in the middle of the ocean drifting until you're really ready to take in the information that's being disseminated upon you until you're really ready to take it in. You will not be able to make the change and you can search endlessly. I mean, you can be on that little boat in the ocean forever and ever and ever. Um, but if you're really ready to receive the information, you will come across that island and a big piece of land, and you'll you'll find inhabitants there that are really receptive to you and really want to nurture and love you and and help you to feel better. And so I just I I just really really can't emphasize that enough because I know you have people that come to you that think they're ready but they're not really ready. As soon as you tell them something, they're denying it or discounting it or whatever the case may be. And um, 
that t- tells me they're still in the searching mode. That's great, but they're just not in the, the receiving mode. And then another thing you said that I thought was really, really emph- um, worth emphasizing to the listeners was the correlation of symptoms to the mind and the body. You know, how you were having this issue with the gripping back pain, and when you got quiet and was able to really focus on what's going on within you, you discovered the correlation between every time you tried to do this, you got this back pain, and the correlation between the two gave you and opened you up to more enlightenment about how you could be better and really truly eliminate the the gripping back pain, which is just valuable. You basically, as you said, listening to the wisdom of your body because our bodies don't lie to us. Our mind will play tricks on us. Oh, but mind our, will lie like all the, all the time. All the, yeah, the mind will lie, lie all day long, but the body will never lie to you. And so I thought that those two things were very, very, very worth you know emphasizing to the listeners because I think it's really important uh, for people to hear that. And they may hear it a thousand times, but that thousand and one time may be the time that they really hear it and, it really, and they really sink it in. So um, just thank you for letting me you know, be on my soapbox with that because it, it, yeah. it just is. Uh... And I okay. want to add things to that. It's interesting because one of, you know, how this relates to stress, one of this, um, <coughs> we react to stress, and I recognized this a couple of years ago when I was going through a particularly stressful move for myself, is that besides, you know, feeling overwhelmed, besides the physical feelings that we feel when we're stressed, Stress also creates a filter that colors the world. And I realized this when, during this period about three, four years ago, I went to a luncheon and there was a person speaking. And I found myself sitting there, you know, just kind of judging and dismissing everything that he was saying. And this is not a typical thing for me. I don't usually go into workshops and feel that way about the speaker. And there was nothing wrong with the speaker. But what I realized is that if I was listening to him and taking in what he had to say, it would have put something else on my to-do list. And I couldn't put one more thing on my to-do list without having a nervous breakdown, or at least that's the way it felt. Right. So that filter, you know, in a way starts to help us. I can't hear one more thing right now. So it's a balancing act, like how do we get receptive and take in the new information and not go further into stress mode. Right. <laughs> so tell us, how do we do that? <laughs> well, I think, you know, it, so so from the body-oriented perspective, I just have to say the more we move our bodies, the easier the world is to tolerate. So I'm a dancer, and if I am not dancing, I'm just not at my best. So, you know, whatever that is for you, whether it's a walk around the block, whether it's jumping up and down, whether it's wrestling with your dog, moving the body is critical for all of us. And it's one of the hard things to do because when you don't, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel tired, when you feel stressed, the last thing you want to do is get up and go for a walk. But it's one of the most important things that we can do. The other place that, so, you know, working So I really look at this both from the physical and the mental. So the other thing from the physical place is to ask, am I playing enough? Mm -hmm. Play is the best remedy for stress I know. 
play naturally connects us to others. It increases our endorphins. It helps us to naturally let go. And when I worked in a nursing home some years ago, especially when I started working, I really couldn't find it was it was hard to find my rhythm initially. Uh-huh. And so I just did little things to myself. Like I had I had a wind up toy on my desk and I'm not usually a wind up toy person. Uh-huh. But a wind up toy, it was a kangaroo that did backwards flips. And there was something about this kangaroo toy that every time I flipped it I just started laughing. <laughs> It took 10 seconds of my time. So often we think we don't have time to play, but play is something that can be embedded, and it's I can I can talk about play for hours and hours. In fact, I wrote my thesis, and I, I, my ebook is on reclaiming an adult relationship to play. Uh huh. That's on my website if you, if listeners are interested. But it's it's the best remedy I know, and it's also as a side note. The thing that indicates whether relationships are going to be successful in the long term, uh-huh. how much fun you're having together. So we tend to discount play, and it's um, yeah, that one that one pains me a little bit because of how important play is for us. Well, let's talk about it. Let's let I think it's a great time to just dive into. Um, Play. I mean, first of all, I love dancers. I'm very partial to dancers, so of course I'm going to be partial to you. My daughter um, is a dancer, and she dance has danced since she was two. Um, so I love watching dancers and how they are expressive with their their movement. And you did say, get up and move. Movement is so much, um, you know, so so very important to us in helping to relieve stress. And when people think about movement, they think about exercise, you know, going to the gym, working out, doing the cardio, the hardcore stuff. But that doesn't necessarily have to entail that. As you said, you dance, you know, you can, you know, do some other things to get your body movement. But with regards to play, you can even be playing, I'm taking it, and be moving while you're playing as well. So let's just dive into that. Yeah, and, you know, it's like, I I have actually dropped the word exercise from my dictionary Mm -hmm. because exercise creates an immediate resistance for most of us. So when we think about we have to exercise, the body goes, ah, right? Mm -hmm. When we think about moving, it doesn't seem to create that kind of resistance. But, yes, movement is naturally embedded in most forms of play. Not all of them, but most. And one of the ways that you can play or move, even if you're sitting at your desk writing or, you know, responding to emails or whatever it is you're doing, simply bouncing in your seat is going to create movement and it's going to create that kind of, you know, playfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go ahead and try it. Tell me what you notice if you just kind of bounce in your seat right now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> laughing this is silly i know but it you, I, well it's like it, it does i mean he's like hey she's right i can it does and, and then it makes me want to laugh because i'm bouncing <laughs> so it, it it has two forms of therapy i think the play and the you know the laugh and and the letting go so to speak right and the thing that i have found is that it's pretty impossible to bounce and think true like- <laughs> that's right <laughs> And most of us are thinking too much. Yep, I agree. Yeah. 
I God, I am. I have, there's a bumper sticker or a pin I saw that was, have you ever stopped to think and forgotten to start again? <laughs> Some days I wish I could. Right. It's only. <laughs> but bouncing gives us a temporary reprieve from that. So that's one, you know, one real simple thing that you can do is just in this moment, just sit and bounce in your chair or throw your hands up and shake your hands or shake your shoulders. Shaking is seems to also, you know, um, move the nervous system and settle it down. So it is one of the best things that I know for stress. Oh. Yeah. Wait, wait, hold up. I've got, I've got to emphasize this. Okay, you guys. So did you hear that? Shaking. So shaking is one of the best ways that she knows to re- remove or reduce stress. And we don't mean like fits of, you know, like seizure shaking, so to speak, but just shaking that body. Get up and move them hips and move those shoulders and just shake it out, you know, like you're shaking it's like you're trying to shake a piece of something off of you. That is so simple to do, and we can all do that. You can do that at your office, get up and stand up or whatever, or sit in your desk and bounce and shake those shoulders. It's simple to do, and it if it, it can help you relieve or reduce or eliminate stress, and it's so simple, do it. Okay, go ahead on that, This is actually one of the things that we learned from the animal kingdom. So there are tons of documentaries and, you know, footage about animals having, you know, been chased and near death. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they do when they're out of the danger zone is they shake. They shake the trauma off. Oh. Yeah. And we've forgotten our animal nature. Oh, Wow. I just, right. I just had that, you know, I, I, something, I, it's so, I just had that vision in my head, and I'm like, yeah, they do do that. I just thought they were just shaking to, you know, but they do do that, and now I don't know why. Right. Oh wow, very interesting, very interesting. So now, tell us, um, tell us a little bit more about playing because I, you know, we're we're making this so fun and and helping people to incorporate this aspect of funness and back into their lives to help them in so many many wonderful ways. Tell us a little bit more about this play. Well, are you asking specifically ways to play, or what is it that play does for us? Both. Let's start. Let's start with. What is it that play does for us? Okay. All right, good. So I'm going to go through you know, just a few points here. First, as I already mentioned, that play brings us into relationship with others. Mm-hmm. When I have a room of people that don't know each other and I get them up playing and moving, the bonding happens almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, ability to connect in a free, spontaneous way. In fact, you know, I remember, and this I kind of knew this naturally, back, you know, 20, 30 years ago when I was interviewing for jobs, I just knew if I could get the interviewer to laugh that I would get the job. Mm-hmm. So there is that place, you know, that play dissolves those barriers. So the second thing about play, which is what we're really kind of, you know, we're talking about with the shaking, is mm-hmm. that it, brings us into the present moment, and it really snaps us out of habitual patterns. It brings us into aliveness, and there was a time 
when I um, when I when I was writing my thesis, and this is actually in my thesis, that I was I don't know in some sort of agitated state, and my little dog at the time, Kina, comes running up to me and wags her tail and's like, "Mommy, let's play," you know. <laughs> And to me, that's like the greatest thing in the world. So, yes. of course, you get on the floor with Kina, and I start playing with her, you know. And in that moment, everything else dissolved. What I noticed shortly after that is that I was out walking with her, and I could feel my mind wanting to move back into the old stuff. Uh-huh. But what was so cool is because of the playing, I was at a place where I could see it. So play actually takes us to this choice point uh-huh. where we get present. And it's like, okay, do I want to go back into the old habitual pattern or do I want to do something different? Hmm. So that's pretty cool. I think it's a very cool because, um, you know, we don't I, – I didn't put that together, you know. Right. Um, so thank you so much for that because I do have a little dog. I have, you know, I'm an animal lover. I have two little dogs and a cat. And um, my little dog, my baby dog, um, she likes to play, and it's uh-huh. so cute. When I don't have, um, when I'm not real, real busy, I'll take the girls, the, the two dogs with me. I'll take the girls um, with me, you know, to the office or whatever, and and they'll play by themselves and all that. But then when They'll sit there and look at me, and I guess it's it's so funny because if I've been working and, you know, pounding away on the keyboard or whatever um, for a couple hours, the little one will come up to me, and she will first want me to pick her up. So it's like almost like a child. She wants attention, but I and, and then she wants to play. And I think, in essence, now that listening to you, I think what she is saying to me is that, Mommy, you've been working diligently for X amount of hours or this much time, and you've been engrossed in what you're doing. And I want you not only to pay attention to me, but I want you want to pull you away from that so you can have a little fun so that when you go back to working, you'll be so much more productive. But what was really significant and what just, like, had the explosion go off in my head was when you said that, and I was like, oh, that's so true, because when I do pull myself away from work in and play with her for a little while when I go back I am like back on track you know I'm just like I I, I think I'm even actually more productive than I was before because you know you've been working you get to the end you're kind of you just you know and then you have this little interruption that kind of like sets you resets you so to speak and you play and you're present in the moment and you're having fun and laughing and giggling and moving and then you go back and it's like bam I'm able to I may have been stuck and now I'm able to crank it out like you know nobody's business so wow I like that right so I would bring the dogs on your busiest days oh (laughs) so that you know we start start crossing over into like you know animals are such a natural animals and little kids are such a natural invitation to play and like I said you know it's like you know maybe you're taking a 10 minute play break but maybe it's only 30 seconds Mm -hmm. so um yeah, the other thing about play is, you know, it's it's creative. You know, we try on, you know, the, the very nature of play asks us to try on new characters, to try on new different ways of being. To, oh, let's see what happens if I do it this way. Our greatest inventors were great players. Einstein, Franklin, these 
young. These were all really good players. And if you're not playing, you're missing out on options and possibility. Right. In fact, you know, it's like it's, it's the crucial factor in our learning. It's the way that children adapt strategies that hopefully make them productive and joyful adults. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to use a big term here. There's a term called neoteny, and I only learned it when I started studying the play stuff, but what it means is that human beings are neotenous in nature. It means that we maintain a lot of the childlike qualities that we had, a lot of um, the way that we grow is the same as when we were little. Right. Which means that the same things that worked for us when we were little work for us as adults. Oh. And play works for us throughout our lifetimes. But we have delegated it to the young. Right. And that's a big mistake. You know, I think sometimes people think, you know, I'm an adult now. I, you know, I can't play. Or you only play when you're a kid. And you don't have any responsibilities. Or, you know, playtime is for children or something like that. And um, And I think it just, I don't know what happens, but it just gets lost in the the big wide world of being this big, you know, professional, responsible adult now. Um, right. And I you think... Know, one of, yeah. No, go one ahead, the, Melanie. One of the keynotes I do is play more, earn more. And we don't realize that the more we play, the more we expand our capacity for success. Right. So it's not, you know, it's like... I think most of us recognize, oh, we have to play because of the stress stuff, but we don't realize that play also increases our ability to be creative, to earn money, to look at options, to have what we want in the world. Right. Yeah, I I, I, I mean, I can see the correlation, and Mm -hmm. I can probably tell you of 10 people that I've come across that are professionals or, you know, hardcore corporate executives or whatever, I could probably tell you those that play just based on their persona and their demeanor and those that don't. Right. And those that play will appear to be more happier or be more happier. They're, they exuberate it. You know, they, there's this exuberance for life. And those that don't, they're real focused and, you know, at least they think they're real focused and driven and, you know, they're just, I hate to say right brain, left brain, but, you know, you have play people, no play. <laughs> <laughs> so keep it simple. And if you, you know, so I heard a speaker say this, and I'm forgetting his name right now, but it's like people want to do business with people who are fun to do business exactly. with. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But we have so many people out there that, you know, I'm a corporate executive and I can't show my playful side because I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. I have this title. And it's like, hmm. Mm, I don't know if I want to do business with you because you just are a little bit too serious and stuck on yourself. You know, fun. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I want it to be fun. We want life to be fun and enjoyable, and it doesn't. And we and we're in control. Our we are in control. So um, you don't have to do something that's fun and and you don't enjoy it. You know, um, you make play more a part of your life and see all the wonderful things that will manifest from that. Not only just 
um, what comes to you in life, but how you give life out to others with regards to, you know, your mindset and, and where you are and what you project and all that kind of stuff. I think it will be very, very um, beneficial. So it's it's just beautiful. Okay, so I want to move into now. You know, with the mind-body connection, and we we did touch on it a little bit about with regards to, you know, correlation of symptoms that appear in the body and, you know, uh, what's going on in the mind. But how can people pay attention or how can – what is the suggestion that you can give people to pay attention to the cues uh, from their body with regards to, you know, caring for themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, really the first thing, Michelle, is just simply setting an intention to be willing to listen. You know, am I willing to pay attention to my body? Mm-hmm. So when we're sitting at our desk and all of a sudden the lower back is starting to, you know, pull at us, am I willing to pay attention rather than ignore it and hope it will go away? And um, once we get willing to pay attention, once we get willing and actually curious, curious is going over to that play stuff, the curiosity is like instead of – all right, I'm going to cross over a couple of things right now because this starts also looking at resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So typically, you know, lower back starts to hurt when we're sitting at the desk and there's like a, oh, damn, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a resistance and there's, you know, make it go away, which makes it worse. Anything, I, you know, most of us have heard what you resist persists. Right. And, right, and we do that with the body, we do it with our thoughts, we do it with our emotions. And we hope that those things that we don't like will go away. But if my lower back is, you know, pounding and nagging at me, it's doing that because it wants to share something with me. Either, you know, either it's as simple as change your position. This is not a good position. Mm -hmm. Or you've been sitting too long. You need to get up and stretch. Whatever it is, the stomach starts to growl, and, you know, we try and tell it, be quiet, I don't want to listen to you right now. Mm-hmm. No, the stomach is growling, we're hungry. Right. And, you know, that's the, that is the one place where we tend to listen to the body. The stomach starts to growl, <laughs> the food, right? Right. <laughs> but what if we listen to everything that our body has to say in the same way as the stomach? What if when my heart started beating a little bit too fast, I knew it was time to slow down? What if, you know, when my back hurts or my shoulder hurts, I knew that it was time to get up and stretch? So it's not that hard. It's just, you know, being willing to pay attention to listen instead of letting the mind, you know, run the whole show. It's like, what if I let every part of my body have a say, not just my mind? Right. That's... That's some good information, good, good information, because I always tell people um, before any disease processes that manifest, you know, out, full-blown out, your body is talking to you way before that ever happens. It's giving you clues. It's giving you signals, and we tend to blow them off, and then, bam, we have this disease or this illness that manifests, and we're like, well, I don't know where this came from. I, I You know, I've been, and it's like, well, it came from you not paying attention to the little things that your body was trying to tell you to get you pay attention to, or, the you know, the people that put pack on, you know, 10 pounds 
or, you know, or gain a gain weight. And they're like, well, I don't know. All of a sudden, you know, I was doing well. And all of a sudden, I just, you know, I'm 20 pounds overweight or I've gained 20 pounds. And that just happened so quickly. Well, no, it didn't. You just didn't pay attention to what was going on, right? And you, and, and, or you paid attention and you chose not to do anything about it because you just kept blowing it off. And, and basically that's what Melanie is saying. Take these cues and pay attention to yourself. Don't blow them off because your body's trying to tell you that you need to do something. And even if it's just getting up and move or playing with your little doggy or, you know, your kids or whatever, um, do it. I, I wrote a blog article about um, playing with kids and how playing with kids can bring back the fun into your life. And I love little kids because little kids are, for one, very honest. They will not lie to you. They will tell you the truth and they don't know whether they're t- telling you the brutal, honest truth or just, you know, saying what's on their mind. But it usually comes out pretty brutal, right? Um, which is fabulous because we lose that when, you know, we get to about third grade. Um but it's so fun to play with kids because it allows you to take off the big girl shoes and, you know, put your little, little bitty, you know, little girl shoes on and just, and just be in the essence of the kids and become a kid again just for that moment. And so, again, it goes back to what you're saying about playing. It just, it just allows you to slough off all the junk that we carry just for that moment and get back into being fun and wholesome and, and loving and nourishing to yourself. And, and I think that's really, really good, good medicine. Now you, you mentioned something about letting go of resistance and, you know, like, again, I say your body's talking to you and you're just not paying attention or you're resisting it or you don't want to, you know, whatever the case may be for that particular person Let's tell us a little bit about letting go of resistance. Mm-hmm. So the other modality that <coughs> we promote um, around stress is the Sedona method. And are you familiar with it at all? No. Tell tell us a little bit about the Sedona method. Sedona method, in a nutshell, is a technique for letting go. Oh. Right. Uh huh. Seems like a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful because Sedona's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So what we what we tend to do in our lives is we hold on to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Hold on to feelings. We hold on to thoughts. We hold on to beliefs. We hold on to sensations, as if it's who we are. We get very identified with what we feel physically and emotionally, what we think and what we believe. Right? Right, right. And the truth is that all of this, all of the feelings, all of the thoughts, all of the sensations are temporary. They're energy, they're all energies that come and go. Hmm. And, I mean, you know, one of the ways that you might think about this is that they've measured that in any given day we have fifty to 60,000 thoughts. Right. Now, if I were to ask you to tell me what 5,000 of those thoughts were <laughs> yesterday, you'd laugh at me. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. So we have all these thoughts that come and go, and in the moment we think they're such a big deal. And even the next day we can't even remember what they were. 
true. Same thing is true with emotions. So, you know, they tend to get a little stickier because a lot of the reason emotions get stickier is because we resist them. So the work really becomes to, is to recognize that none of these things are permanent, none of these things are attached to us, and really none of them are all that significant or meaningful. Hmm. And when we can get to that place of recognizing that even like in, even in my biggest angst, even in my most you know, intense grief, that it's going to pass, that it's not attached to me, that I'm going to survive, that it doesn't have to define me, then we stop reacting to it. And when we stop reacting to it, it can do what it does naturally, which is to move through awareness and let go. Mm. So all of our, everything that comes through is really like a wave on the ocean. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, comes and goes and crashes and is done except when we start to resist it. When we start to resist a thought or a feeling, it's like we get in the way of the wave, as if we could, right? Mm -hmm. But that's what we try and do. We try and stop the wave. And then we're kind of stuck with it. That's when it gets lodged in our body, and we feel like we're never going to feel any differently. So a lot of the work with Sedona Method, with releasing, with letting go, is to let whatever is happening do what it does. Oh. So if there's a large, you know, wave of emotion, instead of trying to stop it, as best you can, riding it, being with it. When you have a thought, and this is one of the places where there's a lot of craziness. Right. We think that because we have a thought that we don't like, that it says something about us. Mm. So people, you know, we've been taught that it's not okay to hate anybody. Right. But guess, but guess what? We all do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been told it's not okay to judge, but <laughs> we do. Yes, we do. We've been told it's not okay to think mean thoughts, but we do. It's all part of human nature. And, well, not everybody, but a lot of people that I work with think that because they have mean thoughts, you know, I had one woman I was working with, this was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. She was really feeling like, oh, I just wish this asshole would die already. And and she was beating herself up for having that thought. Now, you know, she had no intention of going out and killing him. You know, she wasn't going to do anything. She was just having a thought. Mm -hmm. But then she started beating herself up for that thought. And so, you know, I worked with her on recognizing it's just a thought. So what? We all have a million thoughts. We don't control them. And the more we try and control them, the more they wind up controlling us. True. Very true. So I'll say that again in another way in a minute here. But, you know, to recognize that, you know, sometimes thoughts come up and it's like, you know, the more we can even play with that and go, huh, I wonder where that thought came from. And recognize that it doesn't mean there's something wrong with us because we have a crazy thought once in a while. Right. So I want to repeat what I just said about the more that we try and control a thought. Mm-hmm. This actually expands to everything. 
the more that we want to control anything, the more it winds up controlling us. Oh, very true. Right. So, so the question you can ask yourself, a very simple way to let go, is could I let go of wanting to be controlled by this? Whatever it is. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a great way, and this is, this is some of what I like about the Sedona Method. There's a lot of just little tricks. Because, like, if I asked you, could you let go of wanting to control it? You might say, no, 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 I have to control it. But if I asked you, could you let go of wanting it to control you? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I don't want to be controlled by it. Right. And it's the same thing. It's the same release. When you want to control something, it controls you. That's so true. And I had this conversation recently with a group about money. Because most of us are trying to control money. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that we can control money without feeling controlled by it. Right. So true. Yeah. So that's the Sedona method in a in a real little nutshell. So um I like that. I mean it I I I, <clears throat> I like uh I like how you, you phrased that last you know, part of that, um, which is actually food for thought for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start thinking about what Melanie is saying when you have these issues that come up that you're re- resistant to letting go or, um, you know, that you feel may or may not be controlling you or whatever. Uh, just you can always refer back to what Melanie is saying here. Um, and it can it can have it can make some changes in your life and how you think about things and how you move forward. Now, you know, we, you have um, this, we, we all play this game. We lie to ourselves <laughs> and it's sometimes kind of like a protective thing. Can you just tap on that, touch on that a little bit with regards to us and, and us lying to ourselves and to stop lying to ourselves? Yeah. Great. So, Particularly as it relates to stress, I mean, there are so many areas that we we lie to ourselves about. Yes. But one of the places where I really see it with stress is we say things to ourselves like, I'm never going to get this done. And that, you know, in and of itself becomes a very big stressor. We start to say, it's never going to happen. I'm not going to get it done. And the truth is that most of the time we are going to get it done. Most of us are pretty confident. And... When we're telling ourselves we're not going to get something done, it doesn't serve us. And when what I would suggest is like when you catch yourself saying that kind of thing, I'm never going to get this done, is to stop for a minute and ask, is this true? And if it's true, because sometimes it is, then there's a point where we need to stop and renegotiate, whether we're renegotiating with ourselves on how many things we have on our to-do list, or whether we're renegotiating with a boss. So that's the first thing, is this true? But more often than not, it's not true. Right. In which case, I would change the internal message. And one message that works for me is, wow, I have a lot to do. It's a good thing I'm so competent. Hmm. Instead of I'm never going to get this done. Right. Still, how the body settles down into response to, in response to that. 
I like that. I like the rephrasing of that. Yeah. It, it totally changes the energy of, you know, of it, which makes it more, seems like it's more able to be achievable. Right. And, you know, and then just to expand on that a little bit, you know, the mind lies to us about a lot of things. And part of that is because the mind likes to be the hero. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it tells us stuff like you're never, you're never going to get through this. You're not going to be able to handle this. You're, you know, not smart enough. You're not capable enough, you know. Right. And, but I'll save the day. <laughs> and so, Thank you. <laughs> So, but, you know, if you stop and you ask, well, is that even true? Is that even true? And what would happen if I didn't believe that? It just becomes another place to wonder about the things that we're being told by the mind. Wow. Wow. That is golden. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah, because we all know our mind plays tricks on us, right. you know, and there's these illusions that come up. And it's so funny because it's like, you know, I'm going through kind of a little bit of that myself. It's like I have this event coming up and, you know, I'm worried, I, I, you know, am I going to fill up my event? And, you know, one part of my mind is saying, girl, why are you doing this? You know, you can't do it. And the other part of my mind is saying, yes, you can. And it's like, you know, the the good, the little angel on one side, the devil on the other side. The angel's right, right now kicking the devil in the face. <laughs> Because I'm thinking, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can be successful. And, you know, why is this coming up for me? You know, why is this coming up for me? But it's very interesting what you just said. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's right. why. So, it, you know, just let, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of the resistance and I'm just going to let it go. Right. And, and instead of, you know, trying to kick that voice that says you can't do it. Right. Playing with it going, huh. I wonder. I wonder why you would say that to me. Exactly. I wonder, I wonder if it's true. You know, so that you don't have to fight it, so that you can just wonder, and then right. that creates a little more space for you to see. Of course, it's not true. And you're interesting it, when you said that, and I was like, hmm. And I, as you're saying, I'm thinking it out of my mind. Hmm. I wonder why you know this is coming up for me, and I'm wondering. It does give it a different energy. Right. And it does, it does, um, it's almost like it's an, an insightful type of thing. It really does give it a different energy versus, you know, trying to kick it in the curb, the good angel versus the bad angel. It's just like, hmm, I wonder why this is coming up. I wonder, wonder what this means. I wonder what, what, you know, what I, what I need to explore here. It's a total different energy, totally yeah. different. And it feels so much lighter and, and, and it doesn't feel heavy and thick and toxic. It's very right. uplifting, lighter and more vibe, more more um vibrant and awakening, so to speak. Right. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I I didn't realize I'm 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 so into you, Melanie, and what you're saying. I didn't realize we're coming up at the end of our hour here. Doggone it. It's like as soon as I get into like feeling the groove and, and I know the audience is like, you know, like me, just like, oh wow, you know, having these these aha moments in our head as we're listening to you. It's like, oh, I can I wonder, you know. Um then our time is is coming up for an end. So Melanie, you have this fabulous 
work that you do and how can people that are not in Denver that want to reach out and touch you and, and, and mm-hmm. um, of course, get your book that's coming out, how can they uh-huh. contact you? So um, I have two websites. One is MelanieSmithson.com uh-huh. and the other is SmithsonClinic.com. Okay. That's the easiest way. And, in fact, I just want to say on SmithsonClinic.com, there is a link to a document of 25 ways to play in the office. Oh, yeah. So listeners might like to have that. Um, I work by phone and by Skype, so it's very easy to work with me wherever you are in the world. Oh, yes. Yeah, and a phone number, if anybody is not on computer, is 303-271-7659. 303-271-7659. Okay, you guys, so we have this information that you know will also be on the website. The links to Melanie will be on the website. But um, you can go to www.melaniesmithson.com. You can also uh, connect with her at www.smithsonclinic.com. And I would say go there and get those 25 ways to play in the office. That um, is going to just make your day so much brighter anyways. And then, of course, if you want to connect with her via phone um, with our fabulous technology that we now have available to us, you can do that by calling 303-271-7659. And with that, I would like to say thank you, Melanie, for being another fabulous guest on the Blissful Living Show. It's been my honor and my pleasure to have you and to... um, bring this information and insightful information to the listeners. I know they really, truly appreciate it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rochelle. It's a pleasure. And to all of you that are listening today, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the Blissful Living Show. I hope you learned a lot of information just by listening to Melanie Smithson and her wonderful, wonderful work that she does. Um, I know I did, and and it's always a joy for me to be able to extrapolate information that I want to emphasize for you out of what my speakers are saying. So thank you, thank you, thank you again, Melanie, and thank you all for listening. I really, really enjoyed the show today, and um, of course, again, you can learn more about Melanie by connecting to the links on the website, and I want to make sure that you guys tune in for next week's show. Um, Again, we'll have another fabulous guest to disseminate some wonderful information about how you can live a blissful life with optimal health and wellness. That's my goal, and I want to make 2013 the best year ever for all of you. So that 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 is my number one goal this year. And with that, I'm going to just say I'm Rochelle Lawson. You guys know that, and I'm the queen of feeling fabulous. And I want to close the show by wishing you peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. Take good care. Have a fabulous rest of the day and, of course, a blissful week. And I look forward to hearing or seeing you all on uh, next week's show. But until then, I'm going to leave you with uh, namaste, everyone. Take good care. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.